love Christmas. Uh, I love this time of the year. Um, and it really is a season of giving. And um, so, you know, sometimes when we, we hear churches talking, we think, well, all they ever talk about is money. Not true, but I understand the mindset. But we want you to understand that when we're talking about giving, it's an opportunity for you to give. All right, so you get these opportunities. You get to choose if you want to take the opportunity or not. Kind of up to you about God speaking to you as we've been talking about our heart for the house offering, which you've got a, a flyer right there. Um, and it's basically what we're just asking you to do is ask God what he would have you to do. Because um, when all of us are doing what God asks us to do, it's amazing what God can do through us. It really is. And so we want to ask you to continue to pray about that um, today and just believe God to speak to your heart about that. And then you step out in obedience and you'll be amazed at what God will do in your heart and life. But I love this time of the year because we, we have come to celebrate the birth of a Savior. In fact, I'm going to read from Luke chapter 2. If you want to flip over in your Bible, Luke chapter 2, verse 8. If not, it's going to be on the big Bible on the screen uh, right behind me. How many of you are electronic Bible people? You like reading off your iPad or phone? Okay, how many of you are old school, still got to get into the Bible, the book itself? Okay. Uh, the rest of you, I guess, just don't read your Bible? All right. All right, I'll be praying for you today. Luke chapter 2, verse 8, it says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, because I bring you good news of great joy. And I want to pause real fast, just to say for those of you that are here today, and you're walking through something that is causing you to be a little fearful and a little afraid. Sometimes God takes things in our life that the enemy is meant for evil, and he is going to do an incredible work in our life, but we have to make sure we're staying faithful to the process of understanding God's good. So sometimes when we're a little anxious about stuff, we can just rest in the fact that God's going to bring good news sometimes out of some bad news, all right? That will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. We've been talking in this series, Celebrate Christmas, about the importance of us celebrating Christmas all year long. And I want to say again, doesn't mean you have to listen to Christmas music all year long or leave your lights up all year long. But understanding the essence of what Jesus came, that thing needs to be celebrated all year long. Chirp, 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 chirp. All right. Some of my greatest memories ever are of Christmas. In fact... I, the, looking forward to Christmas Day was one of those things that began the day after Christmas, right? The day after Christmas, oh, can't wait till next year. It was awesome this year, can't wait till next year. But really, uh, Thanksgiving really kind of became the launch point of when, okay, Christmas is coming. Now, I know today retail has backed it up into August. They have Black Friday sales in August and September and all kinds of crazy times. But really, it began for us in November. November, Thanksgiving's over. Oh, my goodness, Christmas is coming. Santa Claus is coming to town. Santa Claus is coming to town. So we were incredibly excited all the way up to the morning of Christmas, and when I was younger, and, and I've got uh, six 
uh, naturally born kids in my family, the six of us that are siblings, and then we adopted one, so ended up with seven. But when there were just the four of us, I remember Christmases that we used to have to wait on the stairs around the corner for, before we could go down and actually open up the gifts. And I don't know if your parents were like that because like today, you know, parents, uh, we get up, let the kids decide when they're going to go. My parents didn't play it that way. They, they, would, they would get us up, but they'd make us wait on the, the corner, and we'd wait behind there, and we were just so excited about what was about ready to happen. We would sit with anticipation, and my parents probably had a little bit of an ornery streak, would go down there, they'd make themselves some coffee, they'd walk around for a while, and we'd hear them down there, oh my goodness, can you believe this? Ooing and awing the whole time, just talking about all the amazing things that Santa had brought us. So just our little hands, man, we are trembling. We are so excited. And so we're going from oldest to youngest. So my brother Phil, who is not quite as athletic as the rest of us, was right in front of us. So that was always kind of a challenge, getting down, getting around him. But they'd kind of give us that starter gun. Okay, come down. We would go down, and, and you know, y'all probably still video your kids opening up gifts. I mean, we probably still do that. But you do it on your phone, don't you? And, and, but when I was growing up, it was on 8-millimeter cameras, and there was actually a bar light that went across that was literally blinding, more blinding than the lights that are on me this morning. And so you'd walk down, and you were kind of like, oh, what's going on, what's going on? And you'd get down, and then you would spot the one big gift that they'd always left out, that Santa had brought. All right? There was always that one gift that was let out. Parents, by the way, if you're tired of your kids getting you up real early, leave one gift out. They'll go down and play with that gift for an hour or two, give you a couple extra hours sleep. That's free today. All right? And then we would, we would run down, and, and what was it that was causing so much excitement for us? It was the anticipation of the hope in the goodness of my parents. Wouldn't it have been horrible if we'd have run down there and my parents would have said, lumps of coal this year. Y'all were on the naughty list, so you're not going to make it this year. But no, every year, I grew up poor, and my parents would scrimp and save and do everything that they could to buy us, honestly, some amazing gifts that I look back at it now and thinking, how on earth were they able to do that? And it was that hope that, and and by the way, it's what I'm going to be talking about today. Biblical hope is not, oh, I'm hoping, I'm wishing. It is a confident expectation of good. And it was the hope that we had that made it so excited to when we would run down there. And listen, on that very first Christmas, hope came as a little baby. Hope came as a savior. And now listen, I know that I've said this multiple times, but I'm going to say it and say it and say it until it becomes so ingrained in us that even when we go through a tough time, we go through a challenging time, we know we still serve a savior. We don't serve a fault finder. We don't serve a rule giver. Because I'm telling you, when we go through something, we start going, God, what on earth have I done wrong? God, why did you give me this family? That's not my story, but I know it's some of y'all's story. God, why did you give me, what's going on? And we've got to remind ourselves that we serve a Savior. Hope came as a Savior. But listen, when hope appeared as little baby Jesus, when it appeared, that wasn't very funny either. It wasn't the immediate fulfillment of all that hope came to be. Please catch that. When we place our hope in Christ, it doesn't mean that we are going to see an instant manifestation of all the hope that Christ came to bring us. Jesus came as a baby to redeem mankind, but that redemption process would begin 30 years later. 
when he died on the cross to pay for the penalty for you and I's sin. Listen, sometimes think we go through some stuff. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. We're always surprised as followers of Jesus Christ. Pastor Richie, you keep talking about us living in the blessed life. If I'm so blessed, then why am I having all these challenges? Because you and I live in a fallen world. And we're around some people that are imperfect. Newsflash, none of us are perfect. Right? And sometimes we're the person actually causing the problem. Sometimes when we're going through some stuff, there's a process going on in our lives and we are to wait patiently for the fulfillment of the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. We're Americans. That means everything is instant. From meals to diet pills, whatever it is, we, we want everything instantly. And sometimes, and most of the time, I can just go ahead and say it all the time, there's a process going on in our lives. There's a process going in your, on in your husband's life. There's a process going on in your wife's life, in your friend's life, in your boss's life. There's a process going on in all of our lives that we've got to quit losing hope in the middle of the process. Hope isn't wishful thinking, as I said. It's not a game of chance. Hope is, and catch this again, it's a confident expectation of good. I'm confident about what God is going to do. And it's important that you declare the hope that you have. Let me say that again. It's important that you speak out loud and say and declare the hope that you have. Because our words have incredible power to influence hope. To drive hope in our lives. And they're either propelling, our words are either propelling us towards hope or they're moving us away from hope. Our tongue has the power of life and death. I say it all the time, but I'm amazed at how often I find in myself or I find and hear from y'all that we're declaring the problem a lot more than we are the promises. Challenge happens at work. Oh, yeah. Oh, ooh. new boss. Pretty tough. Not sure if I'm going to make it here. Yeah, I think they're probably going to end up cutting my pay. Probably take away all my insurance. Probably want one of my children. And some of you are thinking, well, that sounds like a smoking deal. I got one they can have. We're speaking words of death all the time. Rather than speaking words of life, we've got to understand that this thing right here is driving us full hope away from hope. All right. So when we hear God's promises, which, by the way, you're hearing them today, our response should always be amen. Amen. That's why I encourage you to lean into the message. Lean in and kind of acknowledge, amen. So be it is what it means. What, it, what we're saying is the same thing Mary said, let it be unto me according to your word. Now we looked at that a couple of weeks ago and we contrasted that with Zacharias who said, now how can I know if this is for sure? How can I know that you're telling me the truth? Listen, if we keep waiting to place our hope in God's promises, once we see the promises come to pass, which, by the way, that's not faith. That's just recognizing reality. If we're going to wait till then, it's going to take us longer to get certain revelations, and we're going to miss out on much of the richness, the abundant life that God actually has for us. So listen, I know it's a challenge when you're going through something difficult. I'm not here today acting like what you're going through. Come on, toughen up, right? We All of us have some family in our lives. Every once in a while, we're going through something. They'll say, suck it up, buttercup. And you're like, Hey, let me just kind of whine for a moment, right? 
Listen, I'm not saying it easy, but listen, don't let difficult situations make a decision on how you're going to live your life. Put your hope in Christ. That's why it's a walk of faith to be a follower of Jesus Christ. It's not, listen, some of you think it's a walk of intellect. And because you don't understand everything about God, you've made a decision not to follow after God or to not trust God in certain areas of your life. He's, it's not a walk of feeling. It's not, it's not a, boy, I feel like a Christian today, so today I am. Tomorrow, I go through a tough time. Today, I don't feel like a Christian. I must not be. It's not, it's not, it's by faith. That's how we begin our life with Jesus Christ. Some of you, when you gave your life to Christ, man, it was, it was an incredibly emotional experience. You remember because, man, you were in such a pit that, man, when you realized that someone loved you when you were in a pit and did something to get you out of that pit, man, it was an emotional experience. You bawled and cried, snot running down your nose, everything like a little baby. Some of you, it wasn't that way. It was simply an act of faith. God, I, I hear how good you are. I want me some of that. I'm going to make a decision to give my life to Christ, to surrender my life to him, to follow after him. By the way, that's what it means to be a Christian, Christ follower. Christian and American are not the same. I'm not a Muslim, so I'm a Christian. No, you've got to become a follower of Jesus Christ. We put our hope, our faith, and our trust in Jesus. It's a walk of faith. Here's how Romans 5 tells it for those of us that have given our life to Christ. Therefore, having been justified, that means made right, by faith, not by our behavior, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith, through Jesus we have access by faith into the grace. How many of you love you some grace? The unearned, undeserved, unmerited favor of God. That's how we have access, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. The grace of God is upon us as followers of Jesus Christ. Hey, just let you in on a little secret. Honestly, at some level, the grace of God is upon everybody. If you're breathing today, it's the grace of God. Follower of Jesus Christ or not, you got clothes on today, thank you. It's the grace of God. You've got a vehicle, grace of God. Home, grace of God. Job, grace of God. Grace of God, grace of God. But if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you get it at an exponential level. You get to walk in the fullness of it. But watch this next verse for those of you that are going, oh, I just can't wait to have all the goosebump feeling. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulation. Now, who on earth put that in the Bible, right? We glory in tribulation. Why? Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance, character, and character, the word we've been looking for, hope it produces hope notice this if you will that we are to glory in tribulation not for the tribulation meaning that we can be thankful in the midst of the difficult circumstances we don't have to be thankful for the difficult circumstances listen god is not the one bringing difficult things into your life What happens when something bad happens in nature? Act of God. It's not an act of God. If it's an act of God, it's amazing. It's awesome. God's not the one. It's the devil. It's the enemy. It's the fact that we live in a fallen world. To be honest with you, sometimes it's just you. And me, okay, well, include me too. Sometimes it's us. We just do some boneheaded thing. We do. We we know we shouldn't say it. The, the, our spouse or our friend said it to us and, and we're thinking, okay, Richie, don't say it. Don't say it. 
You hear that little voice, the other voice is going, say it, she deserves it. Then you're going this back and forth in your mind and there's like a ping pong match happening in there. And finally you just, blah, and you say it back to them. And then you're surprised that for three or four days, because you, you had such a big fight, you can't see your wife. Because the swelling finally went down in your left eye, right? <laughs> so we glory in tribulations. We're not glorying for the tribulations, but it's in the midst of the tribulation. We have to learn how to stay focused on the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. Because the enemy, the Bible says, is a thief. He has come to steal from you, he has come to kill, and he has come to destroy. And one of the first things that he'll try to steal from you is hope. He'll try to steal hope from you. Listen, here's how the process typically goes in our lives. We place our hope in Christ. We place our hope in one of his promises that we've read in his word. And we're believing that our God's a good God, that he loves us with an everlasting love. And then a challenge or a a tribulation comes. And it's attacking or contradicting the promise or the hope that we placed in Christ Jesus. In that moment, you and I are faced with a choice. You have a choice to choose. No, Pastor Rich, you don't get it. I just, have to, I just have to say it. Just have to say it. No, you don't. You chose to say it. We're faced with a choice. We're either going to believe God's promises or we're going to choose to believe the problem. We're going to start saying, God, you're bigger than my problem or problem, you're bigger than my God. We're faced with a choice. And if we choose to believe the promise, it is belief in that hope that produces in our lives a persevering spirit. We just kind of learn how to persevere. Okay, devil, you got some of this? Come on, man. I'm ready for you. With persevering spirit, that was pretty funny too, begins to develop in our life. And pretty soon we become a little bit more tenacious about the things of God. And honestly, when we get a little tenacious, we kind of freak people around us out. Man, Pastor Richie, God must really be mad at you for what you're going through. Man, you had a gas leak the week of Christmas. Three days without gas, had to take cold showers. God must really be mad at you. Absolutely, and he's not mad at me. In fact, one of the things I know, because we have a tendency when we go through a problem, God, why did you let me go through this? When in reality, I'm thankful that God already gave me the provision to go through what I went through. And if he didn't already give it to me, I know he's going to give it to me because I know my God is good. But we lose hope, and then we're surprised when we feel so hopeless got to develop a persevering spirit listen and if we continue to persevere we're just not going to let go of the word of God we're not going to let go of a promise that we read in the word of God it begins to develop in us character man I'm telling you something that's missing in in society today is character to do the right thing even when no one is looking we'll do the right thing when people can check up on us man I'm preaching good today It develops character, a resolve, or a willpower. And what we decide is, I'm placing my hope in Jesus. I want you to know today that I know when some of you, that you come in and you either don't know Christ, or you just recently met Christ, or you came from a tradition that kind of Christianity was this formal thing, and and it really wasn't a relationship, it was about rules and regulations or something, that when you come in here and you see us worshiping, and and you see us kind of lifting our hands and stuff, it's because we're actually excited about God. We are. We're actually smoking what we're selling. 
We really are. We believe this is amazing. We're not here because we have to today. We're here because we get to. We get to celebrate. I get to celebrate and worship God with you. I get to be led into the presence of God by an amazing worship team. There are people around me that if I need them to pray for me about something I'm going through, I can say, hey, can you pray for me? I'm just dealing with some stuff. They can pray for me, and sometimes it's their faith that helps me get through what I'm walking through. Develops character in us. And we become steadfast on God's promises. If we continue to persevere, all of a sudden the hope in Jesus Christ comes alive in us. It means, again, a steadiness begins to develop in our life and our character of who we are. We become focused on God's promises. Instead of giving in to every feeling and emotion and wrong thought, this persevering spirit begins to develop character in us. And character really produces hope in our lives. I know some of you have walked through some things and you felt like, I'm never going to get through it. I'm telling you, you're going to get through it. You're going to get through it. You're going to get to the other side. I know the enemy's still in your hope. Listen, watch the next verse. Now hope does not disappoint. Now hope does not disappoint. Let me say this. We sometimes think that we're going to tell God how to answer our situation. But since he's God and we're not, why don't we let him answer our situation? Why don't we let him do in us what needs to be done in us so that he can get into us what needs to be gotten into us? I can't say that again, but I think I liked it. Now hope does not disappoint, watch this, because the love of God. Man, I'm telling you, if you ever get a revelation of how perfectly God loves you, you will never be fearful, worried, or anxious again. That might step into you again and, oh, here he goes again. You go, no, no, no. God loves me with an everlasting love because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. When our hope is placed in who God is and what he says he will do, that hope will not disappoint us. The challenge comes in keeping hope alive. Hope brings life. John Maxwell said that if there's hope in the future, there's power in the present. Meaning if you believe that God really is a good God that's going to do great things in your life simply because of who he is and who you are in him, it gives you the ability to stand up and say, God, my hope is in you. My confidence is in you. God, my trust is in you. So how do we keep hope alive? probably the million dollar question today the best way for us to understand how is to return to mary in the christmas story so let's go back there if we would mary like us was given a promise in fact the promise of the lord appeared to her and her response to it again was let it be unto me according to your word how often do you hear the word of god and you're kind of like (laughs) i don't think so right you, you won't say it out loud like that, but that's what you're thinking in your heart because you've got, you've got some reality, if you will, that will come against the hope that you're placing in Christ. Let it be to me according to your word. That was the beginning. Mary simply made a choice to believe. Listen, your feelings can get wacky, right? <laughs> some of you, oh yeah. Probably saying that for somebody else, right, today. Your feelings can get wacky. Listen, don't, don't be driven by what you feel. Make a choice what you're going to believe. 
Mary believed, opened up her heart to the thing that God had promised, that that was given by the angel, that the Most High, or God, was going to overshadow her, and she would conceive a child. She just simply said, let it be unto me according to your word. Remember, she's a virgin. All right? So sometime between verses 38 and 39 in Luke 1, between her encounter with the angel and her visit to her cousin Elizabeth, Mary conceived the promise. She conceived the word. The word? Yeah, you remember John's description of Jesus when he came? Look at it here in John 1. And the word, talking about Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us. Don't drift from me today. Because when we believe the word of God, when we receive God's promises, that promise becomes impregnated in us. All right? And so some of you are tripping out going, is this a sex education class? It's not, all right, so just stay with me, no blushing or anything like that, all right? But we become impregnated, (laughs) cracking myself up today. We become impregnated with the word or with the promises of God. But listen, the promise doesn't show up immediately. In Mary's case, it would be nine months before she saw the manifestation or the fulfillment of the, pros- the promise. Listen, and nine months flies by when you're not the one that's pregnant. <laughs> At least that's what I've been told. But when you're the one that's pregnant, man, it is a slow-moving process, Right? And it's very similar to the process that happens with the miracle that we experience. When we choose to believe and receive God's promises, in a very real sense, we become impregnated with the promise or with the word. But there is a period of time before we see the manifestation of anything changing. Just like a woman going through stages of pregnancy, as God's word is taking root in our lives, it isn't always obvious that something is happening. But if we keep hope alive, y'all got to hear that because it's up to you. No one else can keep hope alive but you. Now, people can help you. They can encourage you. They can say, oh, no, brother, hey, don't give up. Keep hope alive. But if we keep hope alive, eventually it will begin to show. (laughs) Eventually it will begin to show that his word is working in us. Finally, there is the birth of the thing that we're believing God for, and we experience a miracle from God. Do y'all see that? Listen, again, the challenge is in keeping hope alive because we are either feeding the hope or we're starving the hope. We're feeding the hope when we're speaking and declaring God's promises. We're going to stay focused on it. You can, they could call you Peter positive all day long. But listen, you need to speak what the word of God says, not what you feel, not what the circumstances say. And we're starving the hope when we're declaring the problem. When we're saying the problem over, over and over and over again. And man, I wish, I wish all of us, because I'm in this boat too, but I wish all of us could just get this so downloaded into our mind that the moment we started to say something wrong, we got shocked. Wouldn't it be awesome if like a barking collar, there was a shock collar every time a negative word was said? Yeah, praise God, I'm going to, no, I'm not going to, you'll be able to, that would be awesome. I'm going to try to invent that. Listen, because sometimes we allow the circumstances, 
Y'all mind me being silly today, all right? Having fun in church? Okay. Sometimes we allow circumstances and situations that we're going through to decide what we're going to say. And we don't recognize that we're hindering the hope that is in us. It's literally like a mom not eating and starving a baby. We're, we're, we're keeping the hope from in us that's going to be birthed in us from growing. Again, look at the promises. You, you might want to write these verses down, Romans 5, 2. Through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. That unearned, undeserved, unmerited favor. Well, I didn't do good enough. You, it's unearned, undeserved, unmerited favor. Well, I missed the mark. It's unearned, undeserved, unmerited favor. You can't do anything to get God's grace. And not only that, you've heard the good. But we glory. Do you know that word means we rejoice? We rejoice. Not a lot of amens on that. We rejoice in tribulation. Why? Because we know that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character produces hope. Listen, I wish there was another way to develop perseverance. I wish there was. I wish that, I wish that we could just kind of talk about it. Okay, now I got perseverance. But you have a per, you develop perseverance when there's a challenge to what you're believing God for. It's only developed through tribulation and difficulties, and it's the ability to persevere. Listen, as followers of Jesus Christ, those of you that this next year, you want to see the manifestation of some of the things you've been hoping God for? If you don't, it's okay. You can tune me out the rest of the service. But seriously, you want to listen, listen to this. It's the ability to persevere, to stay the course when you and others want to quit. Because I promise you, you're going to want to quit. You're going to want to think it's not going to happen. Listen, it's that ability that really develops the character in us. Sometimes we run from the thing that God is actually using to develop us. And by the way, God is more concerned about your character than he is your comfort. That's worth coming today alone for. And I know that sometimes we have a promise from God conceived within us and we get impatient while waiting. Right? I'm with it. Okay, when's it happening? Or we get worried, fearful, and anxious that something is going to go wrong because we have a hiccup or a setback. There's a setback. Oh, I guess it just wasn't for me. Or sometimes we just get freaked out by the unknown. The day my, my oldest son, Richie, was born, we went into the doctor um, the, to do a checkup. It was actually on his uh, due date. Is that right, sweetie? The, Richie was born on his due date. So we'd gone in to do a checkup, and they made Pam drink this drink that loaded with a bunch of caffeine or something. I, I may not be telling all that part of it exactly right. That's wrong? Okay, she drank something that was to test the baby. All right. So they're, they're testing the baby's heart rate and all this different stuff. And so Pam and I are sitting in there, first time being parents, sitting in there in the, in the waiting room. And all of a sudden the nurse comes in and she starts checking this little paper that's kind of printing out. She goes, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, ho, 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 ho. And she turns around, she swings open the door and says, get the doctor in here right now. We're new parents. My heart's going pum, 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 pum. But our, our doctor, praise God for him, walked in, looked at it and said, listen, What's probably happened is the, the heart rate has dropped, and what's probably happened is he's probably pinched the umbilical cord, and that's probably what's happening. But we're going to go ahead and induce labor. It's our due date, so we might as well go ahead and do it anyway. Now, most of you would probably act like me. You're trying to act real cool on the outside. Okay, doc, let's get over and do that. We'll get this taken care of. But on the inside, I'm thinking, 
He knows something's actually wrong and he's not willing to tell us. Suddenly I have this big unknown in my life and I'm thinking, oh God, what's happening? So we go to the hospital and we get in there and so we're getting in there. They're telling us about the lady next door that's been in labor for 20 hours. I'm thinking, oh my goodness, how long is it going to be till I'm going to be able to see my son? Well, fortunately, only three hours later, which really hacked the lady off in the next room off, um, three hours later, my son was born. And he was born completely healthy. Outside of having 12 toes, he was born completely. <laughs> he actually doesn't. He's only got 10 toes. I shouldn't really lie in church. But he was born completely healthy. And listen, in a moment of getting so fearful, worried, and anxious, I forgot for just a moment that my God was in control. That there were prophetic words spoken over my son, that there were words that I knew God had spoken to us about this son being born. And I should have been able just to rest in it, but I got a little worried and anxious. And so we're always learning lessons of understanding that sometimes the unknown really does freak us out. And because we can't control everything, because we don't understand everything that's happening, it causes us to lose the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. So here's what I want to close with today to remind you that during this holiday season, remember that Jesus came to be a Savior. He came to be a Savior. He brought with him all that a Savior is and all that a Savior does. When Jesus said, done, it is finished, he meant it is finished. He has already provided for you and I everything that we need, the Bible says, for life and godliness. See, the real question is, are we going to live our lives focused on Jesus, on his promises, and keep hope alive? Or are we going to give in to the feelings, emotions, thought processes that our circumstances and situations are trying to get us focused on? Keep hope alive by thinking and declaring over your life every promise that, you, that God has conceived in you. And listen, you may not see the results immediately, but little by little, moment by moment, that hope is going to begin to grow inside of you. And eventually, you're going to give birth to the thing that God has spoken over your life. We've got to keep hope alive. So I want to pray over us today. I'm asking you just to bow your head, close your eyes. And I want to pray over every one of us today because I know how easy it is for every one of us to lose hope. And I imagine this morning there are some of you here that you've lost hope about a marriage. You've lost hope about being with someone. You've lost hope about your financial situation changing. You've lost hope about health issues. And I don't know what it is that the enemy has come today to try to steal from you or has already stolen from you. But I want to pray for you today that you would either keep hope alive because he's been pulling it away from you or if he's taken it, that you would lay hold of the hope that you have in Christ Jesus once again. 